the kid is invited to leave for her worship with, with Ela. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks um, for your presence that is always with us. Um, even heaven and earth cannot contain you. That you are present not only in a church sanctuary, but in a theater, um, in our living rooms, out on the streets, um, in the quietness of our hearts. And God, we just invite the presence of your Holy Spirit to come and speak to us this morning by your word. And we love you and we bless you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I feel like I can't see the person. Is that Chantal? <laughs> there you are. <laughs> so this past Friday, I hit a wall. Have you ever heard that expression, like hitting the wall? So in running, it's that moment in the marathon when suddenly you feel like every step you take is excruciating. Every muscle in your body aches. And um, it made me think of when I ran the, the New York Marathon um, back in 2019. So in marathon terms, it's mile 20 in the Bronx when you're running across Madison Avenue back into Manhattan, and it feels like Mount Everest. And the starting line, you know, when you're surrounded by 50,000 other runners out on Staten Island, and you're totally pumped, and the music is blaring, it's like a foggy, distant memory. And it doesn't matter that you've been training all of these months and working your tail off, all you wanna do at mile 20 is just lie down. So that's how I felt on Friday. And I'm, if you know me, I'm a pretty like energetic, like upbeat person. But it kind of hit me that um, ever since I arrived here at St. Peter's as part of this revitalization effort back in October 2019, that I like hit the ground and have been running ever since. And I never stopped. And back then, for those of you who were, who were with me at that time, you might remember we were starting new ministries, organizing get-to-know-you dinners, we were reaching out to the community, we were fundraising, trying to blend this group of, of like 20 people with the old members. And then the pandemic hits. And y'all know what that's been like, right? The past 15 months has been real rough. And now, just trying to figure out reopening in the middle of the summer and what it means to gather again and asking these fundamental questions of like, what is church? What is church? So there was this blog post by a pastor, her name's Jenny Smith, that a lot of my priest and pastor friends were sending around, where she recounts the season past from a particular a pastor's perspective. And she writes, and then we open our doors to in-person worship again. We crossed the finish line. We made it. We did a hard thing. Then, instead of collapsing at the finish line in a heap, instead of drinking water, instead of resting our aching bodies, something else happened. An official-looking race organizer slapped another number on our back and pushed us toward another starting line that mysteriously appeared. Wait, what? A second marathon right now? And we looked down at our blistered, aching feet, our hopeful but exhausted heart, our overwhelmed but determined mind, and we take a step forward into life as a gathered community once again. Why? Because our world doesn't know how to stop. 
So this past week uh, was hard on a number of levels, which I won't get into right now. And so on Friday, I hit a wall. And I wrote this message to Brenna and Leisha on Slack. And I wrote, I just want to share honestly, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. I haven't been as upfront about how much so with you guys, struggling to stay on top of things and not wanting to burden you. What's hard is that when people ask me, what do you need help with? I'm like so overwhelmed, I can't even get perspective. I need help with everything. You can offer prayer for me, as I have nothing written for my sermon yet, <laughs> and think I need to just Sabbath tomorrow. Trying to remember God's grace is always sufficient. Prayer emoji. Now, <laughs> most of you are not priests, but has anybody ever felt that way before? <laughs> Just out of curiosity? No? Just Julia? <laughs> yeah, so I know you know how that feels. You know, and I don't even have kids. You know, I can't even imagine what it's like throwing kids into the mix or dealing with depression and trying to function or being unemployed or being a black person in America. And so there's this part of me that feels like guilty for even admitting that I'm struggling because I feel like I shouldn't be, and yet I am. And maybe some of you feel that way too. Our world doesn't know how to stop. I don't know how to stop. Can't stop, won't stop. So we've been in the Gospel of Mark these past few weeks, and the passage that we read today is actually for next week, but Hyatt, who was, supposed to, who was scheduled to preach today, he and I had to switch dates at the last minute. But it felt really providential to read the story this week. You could say that Jesus and the disciples have like hit the ground running in Mark. They've been healing, casting out demons, they're raising people from the dead, they've gone on preaching tours, they've got massive crowds, and there's been all this momentum and activity and excitement. And this is the moment to say, how do we scale this? You know, how do we increase our numbers and our people and our revenue? How do we make this bigger and better? Let's map out our five-year strategic plan. Instead, what Jesus says is, come away to a deserted place by yourselves and rest a while. I mean, that is like the most un-American thing a person could say, right? There was this funny meme that was going around, I don't know if you saw it, and it was comparing European and American out-of-office messages, and it said, European out-of-offices. I am away camping for the summer. Email again in September. <laughs> you know, Ameri um, American out-of-offices. I have left the office for two hours to undergo kidney surgery, but you can reach me on my cell phone anytime. <laughs> you know, can't stop, won't stop. So Mark tells us that they have been so busy responding to the very real needs around them that they haven't even been able to eat anything. And like, I've definitely have had those moments, like literally forgetting to eat. And here's the first thing that I just want to point out from this passage is that Jesus notices, like he notices that they haven't eaten. 
And instead of saying, all right, let's keep going so we don't lose momentum. Let's keep going because there's so many people with so many needs around us who need healing and help. Let's keep going because if we stop, it's all going to fall apart. What I call anxiety-fueled activity. Instead, he says, come away to a deserted place by yourselves and rest a while. He sees their tiredness and their spentness. And he cares about that because he cares for them. And it's so easy to pass over this, this tiny little verse, but it's a theme in Scripture. Like, think of Elijah after he's defeated the prophets of Baal, and he's on the run from Queen Jezebel, who wants to kill him. And he's tired, he's spent, he's depressed. And what does the Lord do? He sends an angel to Elijah who tells him not to, like, buck up and get going again, but take a nap and eat a snack after you wake up. Like, no joke, that's actually in the Bible. It actually says, take a nap and eat something. And so when I was hitting a wall on Friday, I was like questioning my calling, you know? I was like, why does this feel so hard? Like, maybe I'm not cut out to be a priest. You know, maybe I just don't have it in me. Maybe I'm not spiritually strong enough for the long haul. And I felt the Lord saying to me, Christine, turn off your computer, take a nap, and eat a snack. It's not about your calling. It's not about you being strong enough or spiritual enough or competent enough. You sleep, and then you eat. And sometimes that is the most spiritual thing that you can do. And I just love that this is one of Jesus's invitations to his disciples. Like when you read Mark, you know, while there's a ton of activity, there's this rhythm that's present that's really easy to miss. It's one of engagement and then retreat. Engagement and retreat. Like punctuating all of that healing and casting out demons and preaching and conflict with religious leaders is retreat. It will say, Jesus went up to a lonely place where he prayed. Or Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly what happens in those moments, but I've always assumed that they were kind of like the old all-night prayer meetings at the Korean church where I grew up, which is like intense, constant intercession, like the whole night. And I'm sure maybe it was like that sometimes, like kind of garden Gethsemane intent, you know, intense, like praying, crying, sweating drops of blood. But you know what I think now? I think that sometimes Jesus went to that lonely place up on the mountain and just zonked out, you know, in the presence of his loving father, just like a child falling asleep in their parents' arms. Like, that is prayer, too. Like, that is faith, too, because it's saying, God, you are God, and I am not. You are God, and I am not, and I have nothing to prove because I'm loved by you and cared for by you, and I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with the lives of those I love. I'm going to trust you with the work. I'm going to trust you with all the needs and all the things that need to be done, and I'm going to go with you 
to that quiet and lonely place where I can put some distance between me and the battle line and just rest in your presence, where you make me lie down in green pastures and you lead me to quiet waters, that place where I can remember once again that surely your goodness and your mercy follow me all the days of my life and I dwell in your house forever. That's what a good shepherd is like. Now, what I would really love um, is for this story to end with Jesus and the disciples then deciding to build a retreat home in the mountains where they live the small town quiet life for the rest of their days, going hiking into the farmer's market every Saturday, which is my secret fantasy for my life. But that's not what happens. And remember, it's retreat and engagement, retreat and engagement. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And in the end, like what I'm saying here this morning is that ultimately it comes down to love, doesn't it? In what it means to live our lives in the love of God. You know, to let God love us, to let God care for us. Like, if you want to see a picture of the gospel, just take a look at one of the, the many babies that have been born around St. Peter's this past year, just sleeping in their arms. They're not striving, they're not trying to achieve anything, but they're just allowing themselves to be held and loved by a parent who absolutely adores them. And that's it. Like, babies do that better than, than anyone else on the planet. And from that place of just simply resting in the love of God and being fed and filled by the love of God, that we then become people who love. We can't help ourselves. And it just becomes this virtuous cycle of shepherding, that as we are shepherded by Jesus, that we then just naturally shepherd others. So this morning, my sermon is take a nap, eat a snack, and when it's time to wake up, because, you know, God doesn't call us to be Rip Van Winkle and just sleep for years, we can then extend that invitation of God's rest and abundance in Christ to others. Let's pray. God, we um, come to you, Lord, and uh, we bring all of our just tiredness and weariness, whatever it is that we are carrying, to you. And God, we want to rest in you. And so I pray for myself, um, my brothers and sisters, my friends gathered here in this place and online, um, Lord, that you would help us to be good sheep who follow their shepherd into those green pastures and quiet waters to know that you are the one who is leading. You are the one who is carrying us. And so, God, would you help us to just um, flop down in your presence, um, to take a nap, um, to eat, Lord, to care for um, the bodies that you've given us, Lord. And as we do, um, Lord, that you um, will then, God, um, nourish us and feed us 
so that, God, we can be those who nourish and feed just our hungering and broken world. Um, give us grace to do this, Lord, um, to be, Lord, to simply be in your presence and allow everything we do to flow out from that place of being a beloved child of God. All this we ask in the name of your Son, our Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen.